if we do five minutes, because everyone, nobody wants long form, right? No, well, they don't. Well, they do. They like podcasts and stuff, and it's big. But Lord I, of the Rings. I, we just just do it once. I'm, I mean, I know they love. I've long seen form. the light. I'm just I've like seen the what, light. me and you rapping <laughs> espionage. <laughs> yes, it requires more effort <sighs> in the writing. Mate, I'm sick. Like, come on, so. I love this idea. I think this is really good. But please, can but, we? I've for, been on this for weeks. No, this is brand new. That it's we not. that we wrap the episode. No, I've been saying we should, on we video. should be the innovation wrap. Yes, we neither we us can wrap. Yes, we can. We do it every week. But we'd, <laughs> yeah, we'd have written it. We'd have fucking written it. <laughs> it's so terrible. Hi, welcome to the Innovation Ramble, our weekly podcast where we pick a topic, dive deep into it and bring you the very best that we find in the world of innovation and Mo ideas. Most weeks. <laughs> Most weeks. <laughs> Some weeks. Week. Some weeks. But it's the, the dark side of innovation. It's an eight-week run. We did torture last week. Not a popular episode with no. But we tried it. We're, we're iterating. We're innovating. We're trying to do new things. We are indeed. This week we're covering conspiracy. And we'd love to know what you think. Please tweet us on at InnovRamble. If you want to read the show notes, please go to theinnovationramble.com. And we'd love to get your reviews, your feedback, and please a uh, five-star rating on, on iTunes. We've been in New and Noteworthy for about 12 weeks or something now. We're um, That kind of period's coming to an end, so we really need your ratings and reviews. Yes, um, We're up to tell 43. us what you think. 43. That's, that's fantastic. So thanks everyone that's done that. So next section, we're going to pepper the episode with <laughs> something that I've terribly called rumour or truma. Love it. That is, um, that is conspiracy speak. And actually, do you know what you call someone who doesn't believe in conspiracy theories? Tell me, I was going to... They, they are called the sheeple. The sheeple. Sheeple. So you need to decide by the end of this episode, are you uh, somebody who believes in conspiracy theories or are you one of the sheeple? So here's the first one, rumour or truma. This is the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, this is uh, the autumn of 1943. Uh, the, and the, the the USS Eldridge, right, was part of this crazy experiment. So Einstein right. allegedly used to work for the American government, and he had the unified field theory that he was working on. He hadn't finished it. So what he did was, and what it, they used this to bend light, because you had US convoys getting blown up by submarines. So what they wanted to use was Einstein's unifield uh, field theory unified field theory to bend light around boats to make them invisible to the eye and invisible to radar. So they tried this on the USS Eldridge and, the, and a report said that it was covered in a green fiery fog. And then you could see the reflection in the water, it didn't really work. Then they tried it again and then the ship appeared 300 miles away in a naval yard very briefly and then came back to um, the place where it was originally and the, th and the crew were throwing up, some of the crew caught on fire, some of the crew went invisible, but according to eyewitness accounts, some of the crew bonded with the metal of the ship. People's legs would be embedded in the ship and this comes from eyewitness accounts who were actually working in the same naval yard. So that wow. is one of 
you know, is Al, is that a rumour or a trumour? I'm torn here, Tom. <laughs> I mean, it sounds sounds ridiculous, but, but as a... As a scientist and a computer scientist like you know you bring in Einstein and, and, and other elements in that's adding a bit of credibility god I don't know I, I'm, I'm gonna have to say that's a that's a rumor right okay um, please tweet us in or at in of rumble do you think the Philadelphia experiment is a rumor and, or a rumor and had that whether that's true or not if it is if it is a, a, a rumor or a rumor, then people have have started spreading this information. They've started talking about it since uh, since 1943, and that's how conspiracies um, have uh, how they come come to fruition. People basically people chatting, people coming up with ideas, talking together, and so the history of of conspiracies goes all the way back to when we developed speech and empathy. So once we could once we okay. develop speech around a campfire, we can talk to each other, then we can communicate. Uh, and once we developed em empathy, then we can kind of see what the other person, uh, what the other person's challenge or their or their desire or their or their problem is. So, when those two things um, merged, then we were able to get together in little covert groups and start planning underhand and, and nefarious practices. So, the history of conspiracy is one that's linked to our socio-technical development as as a species. <laughs> You know, as soon as we develop empathy, then we see a different perspective. But actually, the first conspiracy that I could find was, um, if it was a conspiracy, is pretty innovative. So President Andrew Jackson, 1835, uh, Richard Lawrence, who's a, a lowly house painter, pulled out a gun and tried to shoot the president. The gun didn't go off. Mm. And then got out another gun, because he only got one shot in those days, tried to shoot the president, and that didn't go off. But then it all got a bit weird because he was seen at the home of Senator George Poindexter, who was an opponent of Jackson. So people thought the conspiracy was that Poindexter was trying to take out the president. But then the, some of the public thought that actually what the president has done is got this guy to misfire two guns to, to get um, you know the public to be a bit more on his side. So pretty innovative if, if it was a conspiracy, but no one really knows. But that was the first proper conspiracy. And more recently, so this is, tell me if you think this is this is true or not. So Malaysia Airlines flight disastrously disappeared, the MH370 on the 8th of March. And then four months later, the same airline, uh, the MH17 crashed on the Russian border in the Ukraine. Now, conspiracy theorists think that the US staged that. Uh, it's actually the same flight that the the MH370 was landed and then flown over somewhere else and then they shot it down so the Russians would lose credibility. You into that? Seems a bit far-fetched, doesn't it? It does seem a bit far-fetched, but mass media today is bringing all these stories right into the public eye. People are uh, interested in alternatives, so um, it's difficult to know. So this is a little theory, but we haven't discussed this before, and it might be sort of a bit of professional suicide, right? But we work at agencies, right? You've got lots of different people, and you're trying to get lots of people to work together at, for a common end, right? For innovation or marketing or advertising or whatever it is. It's pretty difficult, and stuff goes wrong, right? Yeah. You know, in your work and all your other yeah, places, my work, my other places, to try and get a plane, get it disappear, land on an island and then reappear above Russia. Can you, like, what's the... Well, are you do that an agile process? Are you going to go lean? Like, the, how many things could go wrong? Mm. The, the likelihood of anyone pulling that off is... And that, that's why I think the whole New World Order thing is, like, just, like, 
do they use Google Docs? You know, is there like, <laughs> like how difficult would it be to organise that stuff? Given how difficult it is to organise an agency, yeah, or is that just total, no? I think it's spot on. It's back to the 1943 boat. You know, uh, pulling all these things off is going to be difficult. However, we're 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 in a society where we, we we're keen to. Uh, think this way um, like a third of Brits believe Princess Diana was murdered a quarter believe the moon landings were faked and half of Americans don't believe that global warming is is man-made so the rise of conspiracy as a cultural phenomenon you know can be attributed partly to the uncertain times we live in but also the um, socio-technical tools that we've developed and the internet really uh, enabling um, people to spread disinformation and information super quick and for different groups to get together. Is it a rumour or a rumour that the communists are trying to make the U or tried to make the US population more docile by feeding them uh, fluoride? Tough call. Um, I'm going to say it's a rumour, Tom, that that's untrue. However, there is a bit of credence there because you know about people putting fluoride in 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 water. It, you know, maybe in the UK, I've heard about that in the past. So there's a bit of a link there to to, to keeping your teeth healthy. So yeah, maybe it's true. Yeah. Well, they, well, no. They, the, some governments do it. They do put fluoride in the water. But um, A, it's not proved to really be that effective now that we've got better dental health and all that kind of business. But the idea that the communists would be trying to subdue American minds by uh, putting fluoride in the water, I, I think that's, a, that's got to be a lot of nonsense. But quite an innovative approach to uh, um, conspiring against another nation. International mind control. And if you'd heard that, the reason that you might believe it is because we're prone to believing stuff because uh, it keeps us alive, Tom. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we've got the most complex brains on the planet, um, but actually we make decisions pretty quickly. We make snap decisions all the time. And the reason that we do that is because we're, we're emotional beings, not rational beings. You might think you're okay. rational, but you're not. You're emotional. Not, not um, even us. Not even no, us. definitely not us. Uh, <laughs> and it's, the, you know, it plays back to Antonio Damasio's quote, you know, we are uh, feeling machines that think, not thinking machines that feel. Um, I may have misquoted in there slightly um it's probably not a listener no nah. um and and the reason that we believe is because it's it's in our interest to stay stay alive so if you hear a rustle in the long grass um you know thousands of years ago is it a dangerous predator that's going to eat you or is it just the wind well if you believe it's the wind and then you prove wrong you're eaten congratulations you've picked up a darwin award and you've checked out of uh, evolution but if you if you believe what you that the, the you know what could be seen as untrue that it's an animal and you just you act on that quickly and you leg it and you survive then well done you, you you're still alive and so actually it's in our interest to believe conspiracy theories so when people tell us uh, conspiracy theories and we're not sure whether they're true or not sometimes it's in our interest to kind of believe them and and, and play and play it safe so to be sort of slightly paranoid keeps you alive and safe and always yeah. has done so but in the modern days, is that still relevant? Because I, I would listen to a few podcasts that were basically talking about conspiracy theory being like an intellectual vice in the same way we have sort of physical vices. That an intellectual vice is something that we, we do that's wrong, that we know is wrong, but we just can't stop doing it, hence it being a vice. And once you believe in a conspiracy, often you can get stuck in that rut. So if you believe that, um, you know, fluoridization was, uh, you know, a communist conspiracy, you're much more likely to believe that, you know, Diana was murdered 
or you know 9-11 was staged or, or whatever it was yeah um, you get caught in that vice because what you're trying to do is create a necessary link between two things that aren't right so if you believe in one conspiracy then you believe in another conspiracy to make you feel better about the fact you feel, believe in that other conspiracy it's an intellectual vice that at one point probably kept us alive but in the modern day and age may just be a bit of a an intellectual weakness yeah, that's right. Um, other tra other personality traits that lend us towards or um, believing in conspiracy theories are um, people who believe that things happen to them so that their um, their lives are affected rather than them being in charge. And also people who hold, who hold religious beliefs are, are more likely to really? uh, believe in conspiracy theories. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the key reasons that we, we look for alternative explanations of things is that we have a, developed a philosophy of, of dualism, which is okay. um, the kind of co the coexistence of, of both sides of the coin, effectively, you know, the yin and the yang. Um, and, and so we're always looking for the, the, the other side, the, um, the, the, the second um, opposing opinion um, in terms of, uh, you know, metaphilosophical and, and, and philosophical um, thinking. And to kind of slightly develop this, um, something I've come across a lot in our research is a round of confirmation bias. And my understanding of this is that if you have a theory, perhaps like a, or a scientific theory or assumption, um, you will look for proof that confirms your theory as opposed to trying to find things that disprove it. And we're a bit like this when we research. We find like an interesting yeah. article and we go, that's it. And very rarely do you try and find the other side of it. You just go with the thing that you find most interesting. And this happens a lot in police work. So if a policeman, policewoman thinks that a um, certain person committed a crime, they will only see evidence that supports that view as opposed to actually trying to counter that thing. And it's very... It's, it's a lot more intellectually rigorous to try and disprove ourselves than to find evidence to support what we do. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. You know, we want to believe, once we've grabbed something, we want to kind of believe that it's true, which is why we have peer review set up in the scientific community. You know, we have reviews, we have blind tests, we have double blind tests, all because even the most noted scientists, you know, Einstein and the like, are looking for supporting evidence, uh, confirmational bias to back this up. And I've read numerous stories over the last few days of been doing this research about groups of conspiracy theorists who believe the end of the world is coming. They all gather at a certain time and a place and then the end of the world doesn't happen. And then in two instances, uh, the kind of leader of these groups says that they've suddenly been contacted by some otherworldly being and um, they dictate a message. And the message is normally like, oh, well, because you guys all got together at the end of the world, um, <laughs> really? we've decided that this is now a pocket of, of unprecedented love on the planet. And so we've decided not to end the world. And so go forth and spread. And so actually the leader of these, these, these conspiracies using the fact that the world hasn't ended as more confirmation of bias to say, yes, we're doing the right things so and and thus it continues so uh, rumor or truma tom uh the american air force in conjunction with the cia spent taxpayers dollar to investigate the feasibility of using uh, homosexuality as a weapon on opposing armies <laughs> what? What, do you, what do you reckon did the u.s did the u.s create a gay bomb to <laughs> neutralize in an attempt to Find a way to neutralise opposing armies. <laughs> rumour or rumour? How would this work? I need to know the specifics. Okay, how, so the, the I'm works. not going to confirm whether it's true or not, but would the 
popular thinking on this is that the US would be able to more easily overrun opposing armies if they dropped a load of uh, female hormones over uh, attacking forces. Uh, they would put down their weapons and pretty much just start to make love to each other. Oh, what right. do you reckon? Rumour or truth? Oh, well, I thought it would be like, you know, dropping like really attractive soldiers into the other. Is that? No. Um, I think that's. That I, I think there might be a bit of truth in that if it's a sort of hormone like bomb thing potentially yeah that, that's, Good, that's a quality you're, that's you're, a, you're right quality, you're right yeah. this is this is no joke uh, it was 1994 uh, proven that the what? US spent about hundred thousand dollars of taxpayers money um, and they were willing to investigate the uh, the psychoactive effects of, of human hormones and, and, and that, that was the plan so it came out in the press obviously they were ridiculed about this uh, and and what's what's brilliant is even though it came out as being true, conspiracies still abound. So um, people then assume, ask, start the question: Well, did they do that so that if future uh, conspiracies came out about other nefarious uh, war tactics, that they would simply say, "Oh no, that's not true"? Are they kind of trying to undermine them? So even conspiracies around the fact that this this may have been true, and it doesn't take uh, a rocket science to make the leap between um, psychoactive hormones and the use of bacteria, viruses, and the weaponization yeah, yeah. Of, of other bits and pieces. So uh, yeah, true. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if someone's come out and admitted something, then my view is you've got to kind of leave it there and. I was going to come on to this at the end, but one thing that really irritates me about conspiracies is people try and unearth them, but what what are you actually going to do? Right, okay, so Princess Diana was murdered. Well, what what are you actually going to do? How are you going to change things? What I, I think that there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of talk. Especially on this show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you're right. I mean, the, the number of podcasts, blogs, content news around this, people, you know, it just fuels the... To fire. Uh, one of the other very interesting things I saw was a trap wire. So there was a big conspiracy about um, the US uh, capturing um, visual information through um, surveillance cameras all the way across the US uh, and the conspiracy that the US government was basically using this to do image recognition. So um, slight little fact, did you know that 20% of all the CCTV cameras in the world are in the UK? I didn't know that. I knew we were a fairly uh, surveyed people, um, but yeah, that is a seems like a shockingly high percentage, especially yeah. somewhere where justice and you know democratic law, is, yeah. you know, has a, a very strong foothold. This conspiracy theory was around a, a, a program called Trapwire, which was a government spy network using surveillance cameras to basically spy on people. Um, and according to documents on WikiLeaks, a company run by ex-CIA agents had, had created this technology that siphons data through surveillance cameras, uh, stores it, um, and then analyzes it for um, you know, facial recognition to work out who's who and where people are um, without obviously their their agreement or, or their buy-in. And the when you look up this company, um, the, the list of employees uh, at, at the company behind it, which is called the Braxus, reads like a kind of who's who of the CIA and the Pentagon and, and, and another government um, organization. So there was lots of debate about this. Um, people sure that it was true, government kind of deny it. And then actually it came out um, in, in documentation from the US Department of Homeland Security that the US government had paid 
um, to deploy, deploy Trapwire in, in Washington, D.C. and in Seattle, um, and that it was created by this private company, Abraxas, that was staffed by XCI agents. So, um, yeah, and they'd sold this, Abraxas sold this on to government agencies, local governments, and, and private companies. So there was, uh, was truth in it. That's interesting because I was watching an interview with Edward Snowden and he was talking a lot about some of the 9-11 stuff and the problem that he highlights in this kind of sort of conspiracy area is that there's all this technology capturing you know our, what, our activity online where we are in public you know fingerprints at, uh, you know uh, on your your passport or you know all that kind of stuff but it's just a massive massive pile of data and often it's all in very different file formats it's not like you can just type in alcohol and everything's sort of beautifully arranged in this lovely kind of accessible online system it's not it's loads of different agencies different red tape different bureaucracy that is a cracking point about the data and if you if you look at what's happening in the progress of artificial intelligence now I was looking at some data yesterday is astronomical we the our with our reduction of errors in terms of language understanding so if that data exists it may be that in the coming years we're able to start to gather more sensible information from it but the snowden's point is that we're just in this process of just you know dealing with so much information. I mean, if you think like every, like 20% of the world's CCTV cameras downloading video, I mean, that is just a monstrous amount of information for anyone to go through. And so I would say it's not even working because like, you know, the Boston bombers, you know, the, the marathon, they, did, they didn't pick up on that. You know, the, um, the American intelligence, sort of, they apparently with 9-11, they knew about stuff that was going on, but they weren't connected. So. Um, and I guess the point that he's really passionate about is that we're giving over our civil liberty so the intelligence agencies can collect all this information, but it's not working for them for a variety of technical reasons and logistical reasons. So I, I think that's a fascinating, and that kind of sort of goes on for me to, to 9-11, which is probably the kind of the Sergeant Pepper of conspiracies, really. Um, and I remember, I remember where I was when it happened, and I remember my mobile phone wouldn't work because all the networks were jammed, but um, there was nothing really being shared on the internet in terms of photography and video because our mobiles couldn't cope with that. Yeah, surely there was, there was stuff flying around the internet. I don't think YouTube was around. And it was basically the last pre-internet conspiracy, and I think that may have played out very, very differently. And I, this is my favourite conspiracy in terms of entertainment. Uh, so I'm just going to fire some facts at you. Let's have just them. That, I mean, this is one of many, but basically the U.S. defense had, uh, air defense had a, basically uh, a way, they used to play war games that prevented this kind of thing. They, they would practice for this kind of thing, like if there were rogue aircrafts around Manhattan, but they didn't follow procedure on that day. No one knows why. Um, Hanji Hanjo, uh, the, one of the, the pilots, um, he was a failed Cessna pilot, which you've told me is a, a pretty rubbish little plane. Um, so he, he was a failed like light aircraft pilot, but yeah. yet he managed to fly a Boeing into the side of the Pentagon, which is you know it's a big building, but a, mm. you know a plane travelling at 100 miles an hour, no mean feat. Um, hundreds of firefighters and witnesses um, made testimonies about explosions being at the bottom of the Twin Towers. Okay. Structural engineers, the people designed those buildings, say that we designed it for multiple airplanes to hit it, but like pencils going into a mesh. Okay. So. Um, 
you know, uh, and then and it kind of finally was, well, why would the American government turn the gun on itself? And like the Ameri you know, some the conspiracy people believe that the American economy is a war economy. They always need to have an aggressive foreign policy to keep that economy going. And at the time, there really wasn't anything significant. So mm -hmm. to justify the war on, you know, a, a, a faceless enemy in the Middle East, they needed um, they needed to have something to get the the public on board and we touched on this in torture last week that um, ag uh, aggression in one area sorry empathy in one area can drive aggression in another so basically if the US um, feel empathetic about people dying in the Twin Towers they feel much more placated in attacking uh, you know Afghanistan or wherever like you know as a result of that so there's some really interesting psychology going on there um, and 19% of Americans believe that the US government was behind 9-11 and my thing to do of the week is to watch a film called Zeitgeist it's a documentary this guy really innovative actually he's he just he's done a whole documentary about this just based on YouTube footage that he's clipped and it's on Netflix there's a Zeitgeist 1 and 2 and 3 and now there's an actual a movement of people that are kind of trying to do something but it is whether or not you believe in conspiracies or not it is an incredible watch it's called Zeitgeist it's really, really compelling stuff and make your own mind up very interesting link back to empathy you know started talking about conspiracies will be were born because people could be empathetic with each other and that they could communicate um, so interesting that empathy driving violence uh, when actually you, you could you know most people associate it with with love um, and for me in terms of the future of where this is going we might be moving into a civilization where that we have surveillance where all of us are, are recording information on each other and so one might argue that actually if that's people and um, not not sheeple but people um, uh, recording each other that, that maybe conspiracies would would, would die away because there's no state however I'm sure that in a world where there was a lot of surveillance there will be just as as, as many uh, conspiracies uh, rising and conspiracies uh, conspiracy theories to, to counter those so uh, I can only see an acceleration Tom of, of, of conspiracy theories as, as we get even more socio-technical yeah I, I agree I think that believing in a conspiracy gives you a sense of power you feel like you know something that other people don't know. It gives you a sense of strength and a, a sense of sort of being on the inside. And why that's interesting is because the flip side of that emotion is powerlessness. So that's the other end of the scale. It's like, you know, things, the world is such a big thing, such a big place that it's very difficult for us to have that much power to actually really change anything on a large scale and not much power to even change our own lives in some ways. So a, like a counter to that is, but oh, it's all a conspiracy. There's nothing I can do. It's all the government controlling everything. So, but on a more positive note, and I promised at the start of this episode that we would <laughs> finally get to innovation. Conspiracy, weird as some of it is, is looking for a different perspective on an issue and that that is at the heart of innovation is if you accept things as they are things will never change so we're not i'm not suggesting everyone should be conspiracy theorists but i think we should take a little bit of inspiration about people who think they can drop a, a gay bomb or uh, make a boat disappear or you know or a yeah, do whatever. I just yeah. think that let's all let's all think a bit differently and take a bit of a lead from some of these slightly controversial points of view. And I, I think it's a really interesting point to finish on, where because if you are somebody that believes in 
conspiracy theories, then it may be that you feeling like you don't have a, a choice in the world, you are powerless. And, 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 and so our challenge is, how do you flip that round and say, actually, uh, um, I'm going to be powerful, I'm going to go out and do something about this conspiracy that I believe in and that I found. It's been a, a weird episode of the Ramble. Uh, but... It wouldn't have been possible without the following people. Christina Lai, thank you. Love it you see for lunch the other day. Matt Kempton, thanks new, very much. Great logo. New logo on the way. Yes. Uh, thanks to James Mitchell, who's working on our iPhone app. More to be revealed very soon. Awesome. The fabulous Lucky Elephant for the fantastic music that you've heard. Massive shout out to Charlie Cabri, uh, who has got us on the Eurostar, finally. Can you yeah, believe excellent. it? Yeah, uh, excellent. James Harrison for our photography. And next week's episode, the third in the series of The Dark Side of Innovation, uh, we're going to tuck into spying and espionage. Oh my, that is, that is going to be... I don't think anyone can cope with that level of The Dark Side of Innovation. Hopefully it won't be as dark as torture. And I'm sure there'll be some rays of light. Um, however, we will be looking at um, <laughs> yeah. some nefarious practices. Indeed. Thank you very much. Seriously, we, we should be doing, I reiterate, three minutes. Are you getting grumpy? No, 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 no. Three minutes wrapped. If we did cons a cons if we did an innovation wrap, in, in I think we should show. be rebranding as, no, I think we should be rebranding as the innovation wrap. <laughs>